Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the fifth message in our series, Growing Pains. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. I really just feel that I wanted to share uh, that I just believe there's something special when Christians gather together. There's a reason for the last 2,000 years Christians have gathered together. It's because something special happens when we're together. And man, I just believe that God has a message today for the church, for the body. So you guys ready to receive something? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. It says, now, in a great house. Come on, man, we want to be a great house. It says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use and some dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy and useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. I want to speak today on how to build a great church. How to build a great church. Come on, can you guys clap your hands this morning? You guys can find a seat in this space. How to build a great church. Uh, Hey, if I have not had the privilege uh, of meeting you yet, my name is Harrison. And man, just so glad, so honored that you could be here today. Again, that you could be in the house this morning. Uh, Just means a whole lot to us. Uh, My wife, Christy. Uh, who leads right alongside with me. She shares uh, her greetings as well. So we are in a series right now called Growing Pains. Can you make some noise? Anyone heard any parts of... This is week five. It's all on YouTube, Spotify, all those places if you want to catch up. Uh, Before we get going, uh, I want to let you guys know something. I love sports. Sports are one of my passions and what I like to do to pass the time. And I pretty well like every sport. Um, I love a few sports. I think I like every sport. Uh, My two top sports would probably be hockey and golf. I love hockey. I love golf. And one thing that I've realized is that there's a lot of intersection between the two sports, hockey and golf. Mainly being, the biggest one would be that the sport is played primarily with a carbonated or carbonite, carbon-based stick. One of the greatest similarities between hockey and golf. In hockey, you use a hockey stick. In golf, you use a golf club. And because both of these sports require a piece of equipment, I've noticed a tendency and a trend, not just in myself, but other people that play the sport, uh, when things aren't going well, you have a very convenient thing that you can blame which is the equipment. You guys ever been there? And the beauty of these sports, if I'm playing horrible, it's not my fault. It's the golf club's fault. That's why I keep hitting it into the trees, not because of me. If I haven't scored a goal in six months, it's not because of me. It must be the stick. Uh, Now, anyone that plays sports will know that it's never the equipment's fault. Now... Listen carefully, specifically my wife. The equipment does matter, which is why I probably got to buy new golf clubs. 
in the next couple months if we can get that going. But the truth is this. This is important. The equipment is always subject to the person who uses it. Meaning this. If you suck, I got bad news. There is no piece of equipment on planet Earth that will help you get better. The equipment only helps those who already know what they're doing. Does that make sense? And if, if you don't like sports, like this analogy is true in a whole lot of things. You can have the best guitar in the entire world, but if you don't know how to play it, it doesn't really matter. But what I, why I'm sharing all of these analogies is because I just want to just bring up a simple principle uh, that I think is true of us as humans and one that I know we have really talked about the last number of weeks, which is simply this. We as people, we as humans, we have a tendency to blame. We have a tendency to try to look for things that we can put the blame on instead of taking control. And one of the things that I have said specifically in the last couple of weeks, um, and I'm going to hone on again today, it is this truth. We can't control the circumstances that life throws at us. And some of us in this place, we feel like, man, I have been given the worst equipment ever. That's why my life is like this. But I just want to say this in the name of Jesus. I can't control what happens to me, but I am in control of how I respond. And I just believe what God is trying to do in this series is he's trying to get us to learn how we can begin to take an insane amount of responsibility. Not just for our lives, but also for our healing. This series, all about growth, that, that's, that was my idea, like growing pains, where, where I feel the spirit has taken us, uh, has been a whole lot of healing. And I think healing and growth sometimes go hand in hand. Now, what I want to do today in this same realm of taking control, getting rid of excuses, not blaming things, not blaming people, um, I want to talk all about the church. One of the things when we started this series, I said that uh, as a church, we are in the midst of a growth season. The church is growing, right? Moving to two services, new people, new families. And with growth comes pain. And today what I want to talk about, and let, let me just slow down for a second. Let me give you the big thought of this series. I've shared it every week. You can't miss it this week. Super simple. Growth is good and growth is painful. You guys get that? Come on, 9 a.m. You guys usually respond better. I, I can't get to 11 if 9 a.m. is not with me. You guys good? Let's go. Growth is good and growth is painful. So when it comes to church, man, we are in the midst of a great season as the church is growing. But it's going to be painful. And the reason it's going to be painful, I hope that we've seen from the, from the last number of weeks, is because we're messed up people. All of us are coming into this place, whether you've been here for five years, six months, or six days, all of us come into this space with stuff. We're broken people. We're hurting people. Some of us are bitter people. Some of us are angry people. All of us got something. And yet God brings us here to this place together. Imperfect people. Now, as the pastor of the church, and for those of us in this church, we call ourselves leaders. Those of us that call this place home, it makes a really good excuse for, for stopping for not going forward. Well, it's like, well, Harrison, like if the people aren't perfect and they're messed up and they're broken and they're bitter, what's the point of even trying? What's the point of even growing? Here's my heart. 
I'm not a perfect person, but I am a called person. And I think you in this room, you're not perfect. That's all right. You're messed up, but you're called. And I believe that God is actually inviting you in, not to just a relationship with him, but into purpose. And so what that means is we're going to have to figure out, as a church, as a body, how can we begin to grow? How can we begin to heal from some of our pains and our brokenness? And how can we come together and actually build that which God is calling us to build? And so I just believe in my spirit, man. God has a great plan for this church. God has called Kingdom Church for such a time as this. God has called you here. Some of you are here for a reason. Some of you are here for a season. And some of you are here for life. Sorry, you ain't leaving. Whatever it is, God has a plan and a purpose for us. So today, what I want to do is I want us to understand something. God is just getting started. We're not here by mistake. We're not here by accident. God has great plans for this place. So today what I want to do is I want to continue to help us grow. And I want to continue to help us be great. So today we're going to look at three characteristics of great churches. You guys good? Three characteristics of great churches. And I think this is going to help us. And as we go in this, I actually, you're going to see, I want us to actually begin to heal in this message. Specifically, if you feel like, man, I've had some hurt when it comes to churches. I'm going to help explain that. So, 2 Timothy is where we are today. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, I'll give us some context before we get into it. Uh, the letters of Timothy uh, are written by a man named Paul. Uh, you, you can cut the verse. I'm not going to be there for a bit. So, Written by a man named Paul to Timothy. And First and Second Timothy are two of my favorite books in the Bible because Paul is writing um, towards the end of his life and he's writing to a young pastor named Timothy. Timothy is now leading one of the churches in which Paul had started. And so Paul is encouraging him, he's exhorting him, like, Timothy, you have what it takes, God's called you, don't forget the words that were spoken over you, all this cool stuff. Because Timothy, kind of like us, has moments, has times of insecurity. Like, I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to be good enough. And Paul's like encouraging him, encouraging him. Now, where we pick it up today, uh, the church is growing. And so there's a whole bunch of people. That's what happens, right? Churches grow, more people, more messed up people. So there's two specific dudes in the church that are causing havoc, causing a ruckus. You're not going to believe this, but the church had conflict. I know, because you guys were told that the church, the early church, they were the perfect church. We got to get back to the early church. Wrong. The church has been messed up from the beginning. Why? Because people are a part of it. Sorry. The beauty is that Jesus is the foundation. That's why it's never going to crumble. That's why it's never going to fail. But there's always going to be conflict because there's always people. And so in the early church in Ephesus, there's some conflict. There's two guys, one named Hymenaeus and one named Philetus. And they're causing ruckus in the church. How would you like to be so disruptive to the church that you are mentioned forever? Can, can you imagine, like, some of y'all need to act like a little, like, okay. Hymenaeus and Philetus, false teaching. Um, so, so what's happened is they've been beginning to spread this false teaching. And Paul, and this is, this is important, because the enemy tries to destroy our lives th through a whole bunch of different ways. And a lot of times in church, we think it's just like, man, the enemy is trying to get you into the club. He just wants you to smoke weed. Like, that's all he cares about. Um, but the enemy really has two tactics. Number one is he tries to get us into worldliness, which we just talked about, which is like far from God. The other area is he tries to, to, to cripple us within the system. 
which I call bad theology. So bad theology always hurts people. That's just the truth. So what you believe is very important. Because if you believe bad things, it's going to hurt people. So that's why Paul says to Timothy, he says, listen, guard your doctrine. Because it's going to hurt people if, if you get it wrong. So point is this. That's a whole other sermon. Calm down, Harrison. There's some conflict in the church. And here's the bigger truth that I want to talk about today. From the beginning to the end, there's always been idiots in church. Write that one down. <laughs> From the beginning to the end. Um, but here's what's important. Paul does not use this as a backdrop to encourage Timothy to stop, to leave, to give up, to be discouraged. Paul says, hey, we got some messed up people. What are we going to do with them? That's the context. Sorry, a lot of context. 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Now, Paul's using a metaphor here, and this is a really funny metaphor. The Bible is hilarious. You guys just aren't funny. That's why you're not laughing. Now, the metaphor is this. The house that he's talking about is the church. House is the church. Vessels are the people. So Paul says, in a great house, in a great church. That's what he's saying. In a great church, there are vessels. There are people. He says, sometimes there's vessels of gold and silver, but there's also wood and clay. So in a house, he's saying, man, there's honorable things and there's dishonorable things. In a church, there's honorable things, there's dishonorable things. In a house, there's fine china, then there's also the garbage can. <laughs> there's, there's the best stuff in my house, then there's the toilet. Are you guys getting that? Paul says, in a great church, we got both. Now, some of y'all, you feel a little religious today. You're like, there's no way the Apostle Paul would ever speak in such language. So I brought in a commentator. You guys have no clue who he is, but I know who he is. He's going to back me up. George Knight puts it like this. He says, therefore, gold and silver vessels are the things in a house that are esteemed and honorable because they're used for honorable function. Like, literally, that's the fine china, right? We bring it out for the best meals. He says, similarly, wood and earthenware vessels are regarded as dishonorable because they are used for garbage or excrement. You guys get that? And sometimes are thrown out with their contents. So I love Paul. He's hilarious. He says, in church, guess what? We got fine china and we also got some toilets. Are there any toilets in the room today? <laughs> Come on, only at 11 o'clock. Only at the 11 o'clock. <laughs> amen, amen. Now, it's a funny metaphor that Paul uses, but if you've been in church long enough, I hope you know it's true. Church is filled with people on all ends of the spectrum, but I can't miss, I can't, we can't miss this. Because Paul talks about the toilets and the fine china, the honorable, the dishonorable, but he puts a word before all of this. He says, in a great house. In a great house. You see, here's our issue. Some of us think great churches are places that are filled with perfect people. That only have fine china. But here's my first point of how to build a great church. Great churches are filled with all kinds of people. Great churches are filled with all kinds of people. And the truth is this. The church is never great because of the content within it. 
The church is great because of the one who owns it. So, here's what's funny. A lot of us when it comes to church, because you guys, do you guys have the friends where you invite them to church, you tell them about church, and, and they have this idea, maybe directly word for word, or just this kind of posture where it's like, man, I could never come to church because if I went there, like, I would burn up. Like, you don't want me to walk through those doors. I will. You guys, you guys ever experienced that? It's like, I can't come. I will light on fire. Sorry. Now, in the macro, sometimes we think like, oh, man, like, these people are hiding from God. Uh, they're just, they're afraid to come into the presence of God. And, and there's a part of that that's true. Um, but at the same time, they're not in church. So they also don't fear God that much. The reality of what they're really saying, above all, is they have a perception, not of God, but of the people that are in the church. And what they're really saying is, I'm not afraid of God as much as I'm afraid of the people in the church. Why? Because they have a perception that the people in the church are only the fine China kind of people. I don't want to come to church because it is filled with only the holy people. Here's the freeing role, the, the freeing uh, power of this verse, Paul is saying, listen, the church from the beginning to the end is filled with all kinds of people. And what that means is all kinds of people are welcome in this place. So I want to affirm something to everyone in this place. You are welcome here. This church is for you. If you have friends that do not know Jesus and you're like, man, are they welcome in this place? They are welcome in this place. This church is for them. Question is this. Where does that perception come from? Where, where does that perception that, that, that only perfect people are allowed in church, where does it come from? And I wonder if at times that perception comes from those of us in the church. Now some of us are saying, Pastor, come on, I, I, know, I know my scripture. I know there aren't perfect people in the, per, in the church. I know, I know. I know you know it. But why do we get so surprised then when people in the church hurt us? Why do we get so surprised then when people in the church start acting kind of crazy? I think it's because, like, you know, we know maybe in theory, yeah, church is broken, church is messed up. Um, but then when we experience some of the broken, some of the messed up, a lot of times our posture is like, whoa, in church? What's going on? Paul's letting us know, man, sometimes you got a toilet. <laughs> That's just the reality. And, and here's the truth. You're not going to like this one as much. Uh, if you've been to 10 churches in 10 years um, and you've met 10 different toilets, you might be the toilet. <laughs> Someone's not coming back next week. <laughs> it's like it's 11, 11 churches. So how can a church that is great, how can a great church, how can a church be great when it's filled with all these people? As I said, the beautiful thing is this. The value of the church is not from those who are in it, but the one who owns it. And he sets the value. And he calls it great. Not because of what we have done, but because of who he is. And so a great church is ultimately one where Jesus is at the center. And I just believe that when Jesus is worshipped in spirit and truth, when he is elevated to the place that he, is, that he should be, when a church has good theology, when they believe that which is pure, that which is true, when they are spirit-filled, then Jesus can be the center. 
And the beautiful thing is this. The broken people, the messed up people, they begin to actually get better. And the church then becomes great. And so I want to free someone really quickly, especially if you feel like you're at the beginning of the journey. You feel like you've hit a roadblock in the journey. It's okay from the beginning to the end. The church has been a place for imperfect people serving a perfect God. If you don't believe me, go read about the early disciples. Every single one of them messed up in big ways. Like, I'll tell you a funny story. Like, the early disciples, like this one time, they're rolling with Jesus, and there's some other guys talking about Jesus, and the disciples are like, hold on one second. Like, those guys aren't with us. Hey, hey, Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven and smite them? Those were his followers. So listen, you want to you call down fire for some people? I know some of you guys do. Like, God, just kill him. But uh, you come from a great line, a great lineage of Christian history. Come on, somebody. Uh, the church, is everyone following, has always been full of imperfect people. However, great churches are committed to being places for broken people, but we're also committed to not letting you stay broken. So, continues. Again, great house, vessels of gold, silver, some for honorable use, some dishonorable. He says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. This is so cool. You want to know what he's saying? He's saying, you aren't what you think you are. You don't have to be who you are today forever. He says, anything that is dishonorable, if they cleanse themselves, man, God has a great plan for them. So the truth is this. You don't have to be a garbage can forever. I don't have to walk around broken forever. I don't have to hurt people forever. Jesus is in the transformation business. And because he's in the transformation business, you know what his church needs? People that need to be transformed. And so this place, man, we exist for broken people. But we also don't want you to stay broken. So great churches, number one, are filled with all kinds of people. Here's the second thing. Great churches are committed to restoration. Great churches are committed to restoration to taking what is and making it into something more. That is ultimately what restoration is, to restore. And in the biblical sense, man, we're not even trying to create something new as much as we're trying to get you back to the place of God's original intention for you. Great churches are committed to restoration. We have um, a vision for this year. You guys know the vision? Let me share it, because no, no. Uh, our vision for this year is everything can change. Everything can change. Anyone buy a sweater? Everything can change. And when we say that, we're just believing that when people come into the presence of Jesus, everything can actually change. And this whole series is rooted in this idea that everything can change. But as we look at this series, this kind of change is not necessarily an overnight, one-day kind of change. This one's a little bit harder. It's a little bit deeper because I got to go into myself and I got to examine the brokenness. I got to examine the lies. I got to examine the hurt and I got to bring it back up. And I just want to affirm that we're doing this series not just to help us, but to heal us. Because I just believe you do not have to be a victim forever. You do not have to be subject to the equipment that life has given you forever. In the name of Jesus, you can be free. That's what this series is all about. Listen to this. You've been hurt by the church in the past. Guess what? The church is still God's plan. 
And you can actually still find yourself a part of and in community with church, but it's going to take some healing. It's going to take some work. And I want to do what I really want to do in this message, in this series, is I want to break us from this cycle. Because some of us are caught in the cycle of offense. Which is like, I'm, I've been prayed for, but I've never actually forgiven. I've been counseled, but I've never let go. And so what happens is from, from relationship to relationship, church to church, person to person, we carry that brokenness, we carry that bitterness. Now, we're in a cool cultural moment right now. Uh, as much as I dunk on culture a lot, because there's some stuff that needs to be absolutely dunked on LeBron James style. Um, not everything, she's like, I love LeBron. Uh, <laughs> Trisha, do you know who LeBron is? She's like, no. Um, <laughs> uh, as much as I, I get down on culture, um, I think one of the positives uh, of our culture right now um, is that there is something in culture that is encouraging us to be healed. That's one of the cultural narratives, right, of healing. And one of the ways that they do that is by encouraging us to look deep, right? Look into your history. Look into your past. Begin to understand why you are the way you are. So I'm, like, I'm, I'm hand in hand with culture when it comes to that idea of healing. It comes to that idea of understanding my past, it really manifests itself in the present. However, one of the things that I've seen when it comes to culture, whether it's on purpose or by accident or because they don't have Jesus is that they cannot and they do not give us the fullness of what it means to dig into our history, to dig into our past. Because if I look into the past, but I do not move from there, if I do not begin to heal, if I do not begin to forgive, then what happens is my past and my hurt and my circumstances, although I believe the key to healing is found in there, you have to leave that place. What I see for a lot of us in culture is that place becomes the area that we begin to live and we begin to dwell. We understand why we are hurt. Well, I'm this way because of my parents. I'm this way because of my, my, my ex. I'm this way because of the people that have hurt me. But for a lot of us, we camp out there. And what happens is this, although we know the place of our pain, we never leave there. And so it becomes this thing that we carry from relationship to relationship, church to church. And ultimately, one of the cultural mindsets that exists right now is a victim mindset. And a victim mindset is essentially this, I am subject to that which has happened to me. And I do not, and I have not this whole series tried to discredit the things that have happened to us. Because many of the things that we have experienced were not of God, were not right, and not what we deserved. However, I do not believe I can, I can, in good faith, tell you that you need to stay there. That you have to stay there. I believe in the name of Jesus, he offers us something better. And getting to the root of my hurt is only step one. Does that make sense? It's only step one. As churches, we're committed to restoration. Meaning this, I can't be more committed to knowing my hurt than I am to actually healing. It's fine to know your hurt, but now we need to begin to heal. And I'll tell us why we need to heal. And it's kind of haunting, but it's true nevertheless. We breed who we are. 
This is like, come on, leaders in this place, whatever, whatever, whatever level of leadership you are in, parents, work, church. This is a leadership principle. We breed who we are. Here's the haunting part about it. Um, if, I'm, if I'm full of brokenness, I'm going to breed brokenness. Right? One of the things, and, and I use it now as I teach leaders, one of the greatest leadership lessons is simply this. Put the blame on yourself. Stop blaming other people. Come on, come on, y'all know the saying. I can't, I can't not say it. I always say this. It's Craig Rochelle. Never say the people didn't do. Always say I didn't lead the people to. Because leaders take an insane amount of responsibility. We don't blame people. But here's the truth. We breed who we are. So if I'm broken, I'm going to breed, my, my brokenness is going to be diffused. If I am a broken leader, if I'm a broken pastor, if I am leading in brokenness, the church is going to be broken. That's the responsibility of leadership. We breed who we are. Parents, you breed who you are. Some of y'all are so proud that your kids are just like you. For some of us, my kids are just like me. We breed who we are. And guess what? Jesus wants us to be healed. One thing, Christy, she saw this. She's my wife. She's amazing, amazing leader, amazing woman of God, pastor of this church. Um, she, she shared this clip with me. It was some person talking. Um, and she said, as parents, um, every battle that we don't overcome, we leave for the next generation. It's everything we refuse to fight, Everything that we just, you know, especially men, we have this tendency. You want to know what the sin of men is? It's passivity. I'm all right. I'm not going to talk to my son about this. It's awkward. The sin of men is always passivity. Um, you want to know the sin of women? Come back in February. I'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> not going there today. <laughs> but legit. <laughs> Come on. Chase said passive. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> A past. Uh, uh, but every battle as parents that we don't face, our kids will have to fight it, right? You guys have heard this saying, I shared it, um, maybe some of you guys have heard it, I shared it a while back, um, it's not me, but uh, it's Jesus lives in your heart, but your grandpa lives in your bones, right? Uh, what's his name, Pete Cicero is the one that, that comes, Jesus lives in my heart, but your grandpa lives, your dad lives in your bones, right? My family, it, it's, I'm, I, I'm formed by my family, right? So, we breed who we are, and the beauty of following Jesus is I am so welcome in this place with my brokenness. I'm so welcome in this place with my deficiencies, but he loves me too much. Listen, y'all, as, as the pastor, I love you guys too much to keep you where you are. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I know you're hurt. I know you're broken. I know that what you want most from me is not to challenge you. It's not to stretch us. But not, listen, I can't, I can't do things from a worldly point of view. Because we regarded Christ that way. We don't anymore. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. This is the central message of the gospel. I do not have to be who I was because in Jesus I am being made new. He says all this comes from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is so cool. I've been sharing this verse a lot. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So you want to know what it means to be a Christian? You want to know what it means to be a great church? We are committed to restoration, and to be committed to restoration means we're committed to reconciliation. Jesus has made us right. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Where there is conflict, where there was separation, where there was sin, Jesus has bridged the gap. Here's the part you're not going to like. Christ doesn't count, like God, because of Christ, doesn't count sins against them. So because of Jesus, your sins are no longer counted against you. That's grace. (laughs) But now... He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. He doesn't count my sins against the Father. Guess what? My job as a Christian is to not count people's sins against them. Ooh, that is so hard. I don't like that one. I really don't like that one. Because one of the reasons that we don't commit to reconciliation, that we don't commit to restoration is especially when people do us wrong, especially when people sin against us. And I I want you to hear this. I do not discredit the fact that people sin against us. It happens all the time. And man, if you feel the pain, come on, I've been there. We've all been there. It does hurt a little bit different when a Christian hurts you. Why? Because they're your brother and sister. It always hurts more when family hurts you. So I've been there. But we can't stay there. Because Jesus doesn't count our sins against them. And so we, man, we're committed to the message of reconciliation. There's a future that is so much better than just heaven. And one day we're going to be in glory with Jesus. It's going to be amazing. But the true message of the gospel is the kingdom is here and now. Right? It starts here and now. If you didn't know this, we're called Kingdom Church because we believe the kingdom is actually here and now. Meaning... It's like, oh man, I can't wait to get to heaven and have no conflict. It's going to be the best. Guess what? Commit now. Start today. So, Jesus can turn a toilet into a piece of fine china. And I know this because he's done it with me. And for some of you guys, he's done it with you. And if he's done it with you, your job now is to enter in and allow him to do it with others. Come on, somebody. So, I'm going, to give us, I'm going to give us three quick steps. I'm not going to go in depth because I, I really feel like the whole series, I've been bringing these steps up. But here are three ways, three steps um, for personal restoration. I think that's what I called it. Kyle, you got the slide up there? He's awake. Um, <laughs> he was just chatting. Um, number one is this, three ways to be restored. Find the place of pain. That's, again, that's, that's what the world's doing right now. Really good. Find the place of pain. Maybe it was, it, was a, it was a conflict, I know what it was. It was a disappointment, I know what it was. It was my parents, I know what it was. It was my church, I know what it was. Find the place of pain. But here's the thing. What was the lie that was birthed from that pain? Every hurt, every offense comes with it a lie. So, so here's one. If a church hurts us, I mean, a bunch of lies, but here's, here's one. Um, it's not worth it to get in community again. It's just not worth it. That's a lie from the pits of hell. 
right? If a parent's hurt us, I don't have any worth. I'm unlovable. Or if, someone, if a spouse has left us, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worth staying for. Whatever, whatever it is, go to that place of pain and figure out what the lie is. Because in that lie, your greatest offense lies. And in those lies, you're going to notice the patterns of your life, the places of pain, the places of conflict are usually connected to those deep lies. Simply this, number three, replace the lie with the truth. What's the truth? I am who you say I am. What's the truth of the church? Well, Jesus loves the church, right? Christ died for the church. On this rock, the church is built and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, that seems brief because it is. But I encourage you, week three, bitter bones. Um, last three, uh, last week, what was called, what do you want? Um, we dug into those in depth. So, so go back and watch those messages again if you missed them. But those are the three steps to restoration because great churches are committed to restoration. Um, and I don't want you carrying that lie with you any longer because here's what happens, especially in churches. <laughs> A lot of times, like your greatest lie and your greatest hurt um, is in many ways connected to your greatest giftedness because if you're good at something, if you're gifted, um, it's gonna hurt a little bit more if you get hurt in that place. And so here's one thing I've seen. Gift of hospitality. God's given you that gift. I care for people. I serve people. I, I love cooking, whatever it is. The gift of hospitality mixed with a little bit of brokenness, a little bit of lies, is a deadly combination. I'll tell you why. Because I love to serve people. I love to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And when I get compliments, when I get what I want, it's amazing. But man, when I don't get what I want, when I don't get what I need, when I didn't get the feedback, when I didn't get the encouragement, even this, when someone told me the brownie was a little bit dry, <laughs> it, it seems stupid, but are you, guys, are you guys with me? If it's my greatest place of pain, people, I've met people, I don't go to church because someone didn't like what I made. It wasn't the church, it was the fact that a deep lie that probably wasn't even rooted in church to begin with, was, was twinged. So great churches are committed to restoration. Because if I'm not restored, man, my brokenness is coming one way or another. So I got to replace the lie with the truth. Um, and again, I just encourage you guys, go back and watch the last three weeks, because I think there's so much stuff in there that goes deeper. Um, but great churches, first one, all kinds of people. Second, great churches are committed to restoration. Um, number three. 2 Timothy 2, it says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. So, so keep this up for a second, because I, I want to break this down. When I'm broken, when I'm hurt, I'm still welcome in the house. If you, if you didn't know this, insecurity is not a disqualification from coming to church. But here's the fact. If I'm insecure, I'm going to lead from a place of insecurity. And I'm going to breed insecurity because we breed who we are. 
and I can actually be used, but I'll be used for that which is dishonorable. And that's the part that really sucks. Um, I look at my life sometimes and I'm like, man, my heart was not in the right place there. Right? I was used, but it wasn't for the right things. But it says anyone who cleanses themselves. And anyone that's committed to restoration. We're in a series right now because this this isn't a one-week thing. It's week after week. It's small, small things. But as I cleanse myself, it says that person will be used for honorable work. Set apart is holy and useful to the master of the house, ready for good work. You see, dishonorable vessels hurt people. And your greatest, I think, motivation for healing as followers of Jesus is we're called to love people. And if I'm really hurting, if I'm really broken, I won't love people, I'll just hurt people. But I want to be like Jesus, and Jesus loves people, and he heals people, so I need to commit to healing, so I'm ready for every good work, meaning I can be used for honorable things. So here's my last point. Great churches are committed to making disciples. I'm a, I actually changed it. I'm going to change it back how I originally had it. Great churches make disciples who make disciples. Great churches disciple to the third and fourth generation. We make disciples who make disciples. To be a disciple is to follow the call of Jesus, to say, I'm so committed to other people finding hope and healing in the name of Jesus. I'm so committed to helping people understand the beauty and the simplicity of the gospel. And I'm also super committed to helping people heal. Because I don't want you to be broken anymore. You see, the word disciple comes from the word discipline. So to be a disciple is to be disciplined. You want to know what healing takes? A whole lot of discipline. Because you want to know one of the hardest parts about healing is I'll be in the process of trying to heal. I'm working through, through some stuff. And you know what happens? Someone hurts me again. That's the worst. I'm back at square one but I'm a disciple of Jesus, and a disciple of Jesus is disciplined. So even though I was hurt, even though I was let down again, I've I've replaced the lies with truth. I am not who people think I am. I am not my hurt. I am not my lies. I'm a child of the King. So I start again. I start the healing process again. I come in communion with the Holy Spirit. I come into community with people that are committed to restoration. We begin to change. One step at a time, one day at a time. Listen, I'm going to talk about this next week, I think. I'm not where I was, but I'm still not where I want to be. But I'm in this place, this amazing place called the place of grace. I'm not who I was, but I'm not where I want to be. But I just want to affirm to someone, dishonor. Come on, man, I'm going to speak to the toilets right now. Dishonor is not your destiny. Brokenness, hurting, unforgiveness, it's not the place you're going to stay forever in Jesus' name. But it's going to take work. My destiny is on the other end of healing. And here's the big picture. We want to make disciples who make disciples. We want to spread, we want to reach out the name of Jesus through all our communities, to every nation, to every tongue, to every language. 
you know, I was, um, we had the privilege. Um, we, got a non, we got nominated by someone. I have no idea who she might be sitting here, but we got nominated um, for a community service award um, in St. Albert. And um, I, was, I was at the gala uh, on Friday night. Um, we didn't win the award. We were finalists. It's all right. Um, but one thing that happens, and maybe because I'm a pastor, um, and I spend way too much time with Christians, um, but whenever I'm in large places filled with people that aren't Christians, um, I always begin to get this burning inside of me. Because um, I'm at this award show, and I, I'm... I have no clue the hearts of everyone that was there. But, but something came up inside of me. Because it's businesses, people. Um, and I was like, man, what if for some people, the greatest moment of their life is that they win an award at the St. Albert Chambers? It's a great award. It's a great honor. But man, I just can't wait till I get the crown of glory. I just can't wait till I come home uh, and I'm in the presence of Jesus forever. And even more than that, man, I'm so happy I don't live in the brokenness that I used to live in. And I'm at that place, and I just see a whole bunch of people. I don't know everyone's story. There's for sure some other Christians there. But there's a whole bunch of people that don't know Jesus. And so here's some motivation. Not, not to just go and evangelize. We need to do that. Man, invite people to church. It can, it can change everything. I know that. I encourage that. But here's a commitment to personal healing. There is a world out there that is broken. And you may not feel like you have it all together, but if you have Jesus, man, you have more than a whole lot of people. And what if God was just calling our church for such a time as this to be healed so that we could be a vessel to bring in more broken people and help them heal and see more lives changed? And man, I just believe that the best days of this church are in front of us, not behind us, because we're committed to restoration. We're committed to being a place filled with all kinds of people, and we're committed to making disciples. So let's just stand for a second, church, as we close. <clears throat> if, if you're in this place and you feel... Man, and maybe, maybe it wasn't just today, but it's been stirring. It's been stirring for the last four weeks. If you're like, man, Harrison, I'm holding on to stuff. <clears throat> but I, I want to be used for something great. If that's you in this place today, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to just, I want to pray for you. Just that the, that the Lord would just show you the next step. So if you're in this place, and man, you're just committed to healing, can you just raise your hand in this place? I would love to pray for you. Thank you. So, Father, whatever it is, the things that, that hold us back, the things that just trap us, we pray for freedom today. God, you know every heart. You know every hurting place. So we pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would just infuse us with your presence, that you would make clear one step. What's the lie? For some of us, what's the place of pain? that I haven't wanted to go back to. Father, make it clear to us so that we can begin to pursue healing. God, I just pray today in this place that we are released to go out and to preach the good news, to bring people into your kingdom. And God, that we do it. We're not perfect vessels, we're not perfect vessels um, but we're not who we used to be. 
So God, I pray that is the spirit that we go out in. So I just thank you for this church. I thank you for the hearts. I thank you for what you're doing. Uh, speak, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's put our hands together for the Lord in this place. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.